It is Monday, May 4th, and it is time for the Bad Dog Book Club. I'm your otter editor, Skip Ruttertail, and with me, as always, is... The driving cat, Tunces. Although I was the passenger on the way here. Yes, he, he doesn't own a car, so... I'm not insured to drive Skip's car, so I can't wreck it over a cliff. <laughs> and uh, this is episode 5B, uh, the Bad Dog Book Club, and yes. we're going to be discussing candles. On the Bright Beach this week. Which I hope you uh, heard read by the wonderful Alex Vance and his beautiful, sultry voice. And that he man, cannot he hear enough compliments gave for. this one a seriously good reading. If you haven't checked it out, I definitely encourage you to do so. It was uh, pretty intense, so props to you, Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, You can put that on, in your, on your earbuds mm-hmm. on the subway. No one will ever mm-hmm. know. So I I picked this week's story, so maybe I'll just start us off by saying a little bit of uh, why I picked this story. Mm -hmm. Because it's a little bit different from the direction we got in before, where we didn't want to get people to get the impression we were only looking for published works or works from uh, already very well-known, respected authors. We want to be uh, displaying the works of people who are uh, trying to get their name known within the community as well, just want to get uh, a soapbox themselves to stand up on. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're we're trying to be a uh, very open minded here. We we just want to see what we've got basically as a community. Mm-hmm. So hey, uh, just a little bit of bravery, a little bit of courage, and yep. So we'd love Candle to have has been published, but this story has not. So yeah, it's it's a uh, except on uh, Sofrey, and you may have seen it there. Um, but it's one I, I wanted. You know, we've had a couple kind of serious stories the last mm-hmm. couple weeks. A couple you know heavy, maybe even downers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted, you know, to do something, in, as, as you would say, a little more pulpy. Yes. And, you know, a little more light and with kind of a happier ending. But, you know, it's still a, you know, good story and had a lot of things for us to think about and talk about. And I think this one, you know, fit the bill uh, pretty well. Um, is, it, is there somewhere you wanted to start a discussion with, Tunces, or? I, 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 what I liked about... Uh... The Bright Beach, if you want to think of that as like the, the link you click mm-hmm. to get to this uh, room and some mm-hmm. kind of weird dreamscape future thing. Yeah. I, I'm trying to, by the way, what kind of like actual physical device did you put this in? I, I imagine it's some kind of like dreamscape you went into at, yeah. at night when you went to bed or something like yeah. that. See, that was something I was wondering about because there was that one comment that they'd been there all night because mm-hmm. it was time for um, them to go to work in the morning. And, and so, alarms were ringing and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And so I, at first I was like, okay, it's just like, you know, playing World of Warcraft or Second Life, which is an mm-hmm. association we both made. Yeah. But Second at the same Life, time, was- either they are staying up 24 hours a day or this is some kind of thing that you can do while you're asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it, it, this will, you know, count for getting your REM sleep or whatever, and so you can still yeah. do this and be rested, It's um, I, I, which is kind of an interesting idea, and it, I don't know. Got the impression of it being kind of a controlled, lucid dreaming. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, mm-hmm. that's great because it puts it perfectly within the realm of fantasy, yes. which is what dreams are. Yes. Uh, now, most people, really, we can't really control our dreams now, but that's why this is such an interesting uh, mm-hmm. construct to use, is mm-hmm. because it, it gives... Uh, 
a certain control and thus a certain uh, responsibility over right. uh, the, the fantasies that are completely immaterial. Right. And, and this is, you know, furries in a sci-fi setting um, and kind of in a hard sci-fi setting in that, you know, there, there isn't, you know, magic or fantastic element here. You know, all this stuff is that, you know, could be, is, you know, stuff that could plausibly be done, I think, technologically mm-hmm. at some point. And we do have hints that our main characters are humans um, because yes. so much is made of Mephala's, you know, suit, as it were. Or, you know, avatar that he's wearing. Yes. Um, so, you know, this is this is kind of a plausible hard sci-fi furry story, which I always like to see. And it's interesting uh, when a sci-fi story is one that is exceptionally realistic and mm-hmm. self-aware. Mm-hmm. Which is yes. a kind of weird difference in tone from what you would get usually. Because we're actually looking at something that is almost like an exceptionally literal contemporary story. Yes. But is being read in a... Science fiction. Yeah, I mean, that's terms. the thing. This could be very near future, I feel like, in a lot of ways. So that the space, you know, computing and simulation mm-hmm. technology is going. That, you know, I mean, this could be a decade or two away. Yeah. Aren't uh, you excited, everybody? I, I, yeah. I can't yeah. wait for Hyper Real Second Life so I can get bored with that in two weeks, too. And Toonses will be like the old fur, you know, sitting there going, they keep getting younger. Like, I remember back in my day, I had to lure real people. <laughs> they didn't know I was 60 and 400 pounds. <laughs> no, but no, that's the thing is, is you, you in real life, when you want to live out your fantasies, mm-hmm. you don't really have the option because sometimes you aren't yep. your fantasies. You're yeah. kind of stuck to this real physical body. Well, there is that Big problem, joke but... that we have, that we often talk about in World of Warcraft, which is on the internet, no one knows you're a dog. <laughs> you know, kind of implying that, you know, nobody knows what you look like on the other end or sound like. Yes. And there there definitely is that here um, in that, you know, there, there's a very strict separation, uh, which is something I kind of want to come back to um, and kind of what this, you know, separation has in terms of Foxy and Chris's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, yeah, the second life and this kind of, Simulated world, so not sim- well. They are simulated furs, but they're real people. Yes. So I don't think it counts for a little motif of uh, created furs. No, I think okay, we're safe. Yes, I think we're safe on that one. These people are unfortunately real. I think because this mm-hmm. it almost sounds like um a di- I, I, di- dire entry in the sense that it could come from a real a, a, a real person's life. I could mm-hmm. see this happening. Mm-hmm. And and um yeah no and not just like to, to common people every day. Mm-hmm. Not even just in some spectacular sense, right. like uh, oh, some mystical thing happens. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, that's a compliment to the story is that you know it's the very precisely real it strikes at a common nerve slice of life of somebody's day. Um, I know one of the things that you want to talk about this created space, and I'm going to use space in an anthropological sense here. Uh, meaning that there, there's this whole big thing in, in, in cultural anthropology. You're getting that look, that kind of glazed over look. No, He's getting a glazed over look here. But there's a, there's a thing in anthropology <laughs> between place and space. Um, so, you know, a, a gay bar, for instance, can become a space. It, it's, yes. it's a, it transforms from a place which is public and in a sense vulnerable mm-hmm. and open to anybody in a space yes. is something that is you feel ownership over yes. and control over and belongs to your community 
in a way. And this is an um, important it's still, thing. It still can be vulnerable from things like the state or outsiders, yes. but it's you have this sense of ownership and it's yours, and it becomes a space. This and is I an said, important I think this thing is a space. Up, whenever people often criticize things like pride parades and they uh, mm-hmm. deem them as like being unnecessary or su- superfluous mm-hmm. or uh, even uh, damaging to the cause, and I, I always uh, argue that uh, part of having a space to live your life in is necessarily territorializing it mm-hmm. and saying this is where we do our things. And part mm-hmm. of that is marching a bunch of big-ass flamboyant uh, floats mm-hmm. down the main streets. Oh, it, it, it's, it's a message. Claiming a space this, says I have a right to exist. Yeah, it says this, yeah. this is where our storefronts are. This is where we're buying our books. This is where we're mm-hmm. drinking our coffee. This is where we're meeting our lovers. This is where mm-hmm. we're sharing our ideas, and you're not going to stop us from mm-hmm. doing it. And I think that's important just to be able to understand in the sociological perspective, like you say, and just see it kind of uh, played out in the story mm-hmm. in the construction of this holy uh, uh, ethereal realm mm-hmm. within this dreamlike state wherein there's no judgment of these fantasies that people have. Well, I think there, there are kind of two ways that we really see it brought to the forefront. And one is um, kind of this idea of, of private and public. Yeah. Which, I, why don't I let you... Say something about that. Oh, well, there, it's... There, there's... Uh, one of the big kinks that I think is explored in this uh, story is exhibitionism. Mm-hmm. So, it's a public beach, as, as is explained uh, very early in the story. It's like 18 plus, nude, public, whatever. And uh, they say very early on that we don't really do private here, things like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of focus on, especially in the relationship between Chris and uh, the main Foxy character... Yes. ...that Chris is not Who, as going far along as with we this. Can tell, He's much more private. Have- yeah. yeah, he's yeah. much more private. Mm-hmm. And so there's this uh, conflict here, mm-hmm. specifically between this exhibitionist desire and this inability to act on it for with, with, with Chris. Yeah. And Chris says, actually, that's why he's there, is because he likes seeing everyone so free and uninhibited. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's why he comes to the beach. And I think there is this, this kind of... That that is a hallmark of a space is people being able to be themselves. Yeah. Um. And you know, Chris probably feels like for whatever reason, and it's never really explained fully, but that he can't be that uninhibited normally. Yes. Um, I mean, he he can't act on his uh, impulses or his desires mm-hmm. until he's been extremely vicarious. stressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's when he's been extremely stressed or these uh these past issues he's been dealing with a few days that he has to actually act on his uh desires mm-hmm. yes and that's part of what he's talking about is it's just a split uh, space where people are supposed to be carefree yeah yeah um and the other thing i think where we see kind of this idea of, of space brought up is when mafala first shows up because mm-hmm. as you said this is a it's it's a public beach in a way and you know and technically that anybody could come in um, but yet, at the same time, it's a space and that they have laid claim to, this group of people. Mm-hmm. And Mafala is, you know, he's, until he's kind of vindicated or proven, you know, he's a little, he's trespassing in a sense. Yeah. And we see this kind of um, rejection of him for not obeying the rules of the community. Um, or maybe being too forward yes. in some ways when he first shows up. Which is a natural Especially impulse you actually see part. in the chat rooms, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. It's it's not some uh, whole whole cloth uh, construction. It's mm-hmm. something you actually see within these communities when you go online and chat with the furries. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, my, my part take on that is like, boy, you know, Foxy is being, you know, kind of a dick or kind of overreacting here. Yeah. Because I'm um, from the, I always feel like the outsider on this. Because mm-hmm. the moment I step into these rooms, I never stay long. I like I didn't stay on Second Life for more than about two weeks. Because anytime, uh-huh. any one time I go into a room, I'd feel like okay, everybody here already knows them. How do mm-hmm. I talk to anybody? This is kind of boring. My mm-hmm. graphics are terrible. Yeah, I'm gonna go chat on AIM. Let's, right. play some, let's play some Team Fortress too. Yeah, and that's how my Second Life experience and ended. He wasn't really very welcoming of no, this new really person wasn't. and you know who in a lot of ways and, and chris even says to him several times look he's new he doesn't know mm-hmm. you know he's just starting out like give the guy a break he well, just got here and it's the one yeah, of so the i, I think chris's reaction is much better but you know I, I understand because foxy is protecting his space he he has a thing going it's important to him he doesn't want it to change but the thing for foxy is he doesn't want to see the walls yeah that's his problem, is he doesn't want to recognize the boundaries out there, and part of seeing the walls would be, you know, forgiving the line for being a little bit brash and forward and not being quite so protective of this, you know, section of his life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think that might be a, a flaw in the character, that it's a certain reluctance, don't mm-hmm. you think? Don't you have to think, at one point you have to be able to give that up, to give up that fantasy, mm-hmm. and to make and let it be not real? Mm-hmm. Just in essence of just forgetting along with others. One of the lines I liked early on was, we all made little sacrifices to be social and understood. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody wants to be an outcast, and that's one right. of the main problems characters seem to be dealing with in this story, and why they escape to this space. Uh, but Foxy is certainly not giving up that much. Mm-hmm. He's being a little bit selfish, don't you think? Or am I not being very forgiving of the character? No, I think you're probably right. I don't know if he is... At least consciously, let me phrase it this way, at least consciously, I don't think he's giving up very much. Um, I think part of what the story's about, though, is this kind of realization that he obviously has these feelings for Chris, which he isn't fully aware of. Um, And... And, you know, he thinks there is this, you know, kind of very perfect environment, you know, where they could just lie on the beach every night and have sex mm-hmm. with or everybody. Um, and it's fantastic. But at the same time, Chris can go away mm-hmm. for a week. And it just destroys him. You know, it, it leaves him a nervous wreck. And I think that's kind of one of the things he's he's giving up being here that he isn't aware of. And I don't know, think he is even aware of by the end, but it's like, because this is how they socialize, you know, he doesn't, you get the feeling he doesn't know where Chris lives, you know, or anything yeah, like that. They've never met rather helpless once in real life. Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing he can do about it because he doesn't know the stuff about Chris, and, there, and, and there Chris are doesn't people, know this stuff about him. Like that. Mm-hmm. If, if, if they just one day were no longer responding to messages, I mean, mm-hmm. what would you have to do? Like, start yeah. researching? Yeah. It's, and, it, it, but, it's but a very helpless The relationship has, has developed to such an extent, you know, that it's, it's, I think it's gotten to the point where it's probably not good for him to be in this state with Chris, you know, where they know so little um, and because you think he of the that intimate the relationship, I'm not sure if they do. You know, I'm not sure. I I I I hope so. 
I hope so. It seems to me um, like like they, they seem to be content with uh, going with the relationship as it had been before. See, Although I don't that may know. Not have I been think, on a good I think path something's already. changing, but I mean, obviously, what they did was something different. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the fact that they actually had sex and that Chris let his guard down to that degree, I suppose. Yes. For them to actually have sex. I and mean, part of what he said is because he was exhausted, you know, mm-hmm. but maybe that, maybe that's, you know, the start of something for him, and maybe that's a breakthrough um, for him and them. But I think both of them are kind of going to... Why they're there may, be, may have changed, um, it, and it may have gone from something that, you know, is literally like, you know, this a spring break, like an extended spring break, like a no yeah. strings attached... Here we go, and we have people that are friends, but, you know, there's no kind of real-world expectation or consequences. Yes. And by Chris disappearing, we had consequences in his life, you know, and that he wasn't happy mm-hmm. there, and he was always looking around. And so I think that's that's probably a fundamental change in the equation, um, and, and hopefully they can work that out. Uh, I'd hope so. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, I mean, obviously Chris is an otter, so of course he's gonna, you know, use all his ottery wilds oh, yeah, and come up with something crazy brilliant. Crazy animals, they're basically yes. like big playful dogs. Yes. Yeah. But otters are like crazy blown up, uh, popular now. What's with that? Like, otters and huskies. Well, we're fantastic. Otters are great. Mm, well, they're I mean, what, what's not to like about otters? I just want to know, just what specifically makes the stalk rise? Like... Do we start That's seeing true. more news stories about, like, otters at zoos? And, oh, man, people are just interested in otters. I just want to know what, like, mach- what machinations cause See, this. I think maybe maybe it has to do if there's a bunch, you know, if you get somebody that has a neat character who's a species and maybe they get a lot of art done or something and somebody else is like, oh, wow, you know, they look great. Maybe I'll be a husky, too, or something. Yeah. It just needs to be fashionable. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, we, need the, we need a raccoonissance. Because I want to make raccoons <laughs> fashionable again. Raccoons I want to start this. Fa- I mean, no, raccoons are like more, otters. More power. They're always in fashion. No, we need more power. Okay. Look, you don't hit, you don't stop to hit the top. That's how it works. What would you do with your power? I don't know, but we we would definitely you'd make go, the You take cool. it over to a pond and wash it gently before you <laughs> ate it. That's what you do with your power. Yeah, but that. What, what, why can't we? That people <laughs> like that though. That's, that's true. You, you it, is it is adorable. It is adorable. I mean, we go on a picnic, you know, the food's going to be clean, mm-hmm. so we'll wash it first. Yes, that's, that's, there you go. That's um, answer, right? I, I know one of the things that you said struck you was a little bit about the names, and you said that you were telling me before sometimes it was a little hard to keep track of names, or it oh, was an yeah. odd combination well, of names. Because it was, it's, the, the naming standards seem to be based on, like, no internet naming standards, mm-hmm. like, so some people use their real names, they want to be referred to right, as like Chris. Thing. Yeah. Or a name that sounds real. And Foxy, like, okay, do you think Foxy, Foxy is the yeah. username, or is that just how it's described? Yeah. I think Foxy. And we don't know. I think he, I, I'm guessing he probably goes by Foxy, um, at yeah. least in this room, but it could just be Chris's nickname for him. And that's the only, you know, other people talk to him, but it's like, oh, hey, object. <laughs> yeah. And let's get to that in a second. That's, that's probably, probably a good segue. And compared to that, you have, like, Ma Fala. Mm-hmm. And things like that, which that made me think like Chris Mufasa Mafala, the former running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who oh, okay. had that long ass name on the back of the jersey. That's the first image that struck into my head. And yeah. so, no, I'm not going to remember Mafala. Really, I'm not because now yeah. I'm just thinking of football and you know guys with big hair running for three <laughs> yards. See, I, it's just, I, but I think what what tight I liked about no, but I wanted to clarify that I like that. Yeah, tight ends and wide receivers. Yeah. 
But what I like about that is that it reinforces the sense of anonymity that you mm-hmm. would find on the internet. Yes. I mean, the, the name doesn't stick in your head. Mm-hmm. And in a more classic sense, you might read about a bar where as soon as you're gone, the faces have kind of rubbed from your memory. Mm-hmm. And in uh, this sense, like once the characters are off screen, you, you have like a vague sense of having lost their identities or their, the sense of their personalities to agree with there's this uh, blurring of who who is and who is not seeing you kind of plays mm-hmm. on the exhibitionist uh, yeah. kick I was talking about earlier. Yeah. So that's I, what I liked about the way the, the, the names were structured. And it also helps because it actually kind of blunts the significance of some of the more minor characters so mm-hmm. that the two main characters, Chris and Foxy, are immediately identified by two uh, you know, concrete terms that mm-hmm. stick in your head pretty directly and mm-hmm. Ma Fala and whatever. Oh, are, that's true. I they just kind of sink into the back of your head. Yeah. It, it's kind of like a really clever, like from a writing perspective, it's a really clever kind of sorting mechanism to kind of force the reader into the, into the direction mm-hmm. you want to. That's I mean, don't always look for little tricks like this when, when right. you're reading stories because you can kind of a- a- adopt and or plagiarize them for yourself later on. <laughs> <laughs> As they always say, like, the, the greatest artists pl- plagiarize. Mm-hmm. It's... Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about the sex here too, because this is, uh, I think, pretty much without a doubt, the most uh, porn-filled or pulp-filled, if you're tuned to the story that we've featured. I prefer smutty. That's the term smutty. Like, yes, because it's blonde. Smutty. smutty. Yes, this is a intense, sexually explicit story, and and really I think is. the most one we've the most explicit story we've featured so far by far. Uh, so let us know what you thought of that. Um, Toon says earlier you were saying, you know, if you're listening to Alex read the story, nobody will know what you're listening to. I, I beg to differ. If you're on the train listening to the story, I think you would have had to be, <laughs> you know, casually rearranging your pants periodically. So people might have guessed, you know. Just, um, you know, wear a long jacket. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> like, it's 80 degrees out. What are you doing? <laughs> Um, hey, winter is holding on. Get it, get it all is. that smut, pu- that public smut, in while you can. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, what did I mean? What did you think about that? Was that? I thought I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> oh, it was. Um, How, I mean, you're 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 a a pulp writer. What did you think? And you write a lot of smut. What did you think of the smut here? Uh, well, uh, one of the things that the character talks about often and strives to be is diplomatic. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of feel like uh, that's a good way to be uh, in any regards. I want to be diplomatic myself. So there's this certain uh, self-embedded, self-apologetic tone to the story that accompanies this narrative of this fantasy that kind of recognizes in itself that it's uh, that there's a reason why it's fantasy, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Well, one of the things uh, that actually... Candrel said to me when he submitted this story or when we talked about using it um you know i said well just so you know uh it's it's zoo it's bestiality and i said really because i'd read it and and that wasn't my take at all and he said well i don't he said some people think it is well, the main argument against it not being zoo is that it's essentially about two human people right. controlling these artificial avatars. Yeah. I think that's kind start... of a weak argument, though, if, or kind of too thin a standard, if that makes okay. sense. Because all the images are about, you know, But zoo. it depends on where you start. Like, if you're saying bestiality, if you start with the physical appearance, yes. if that's your criteria... 
you know, so if they're on four legs, it's bestiality, which I think would be, or if they're zoomorphic, let's say this way, because he's basically, or he's mostly a fox, or they yeah. use the term feral, I guess, in the story. Um, if that's your starting point, then I guess this is bestiality. If your starting point instead is there are sentient. And so therefore it's not. And, you know, but that's by you. That's even more of a moral standard, I think. I think, so. well, yeah, I'm a moral guy. But I mean, no, if your starting it's, point it's, is, if your starting point is sentient and that they can, uh, you know, they have the capacity to decide and, and express and, and express their desires. Mm-hmm. Um, verbally and sophisticatedly, and they're right. just as smart as you are, and in this case, they are. I don't think this is bestiality at all because it's not. There's not an imbalance here. It's not a human and an animal, you know, or a talking animal the, and a story. non-talking animal. It's two talking. Pe- they're people. It's described people. in the story that everybody in there, everybody is there because they have an itch to scratch. Uh-huh. It's yeah. kind of described. I said it was. Just, it's kind of self-apologetic because it just, it portrays itself in these kind of uh, self-effacing tones. Uh-huh. It's discussed in the story actually, uh, literally whether or not it would count as bestiality, and the conclusion they seem to come to is that it's better not to think of it, which just goes in line with the whole you know don't see the walls uh-huh. theme. Uh-huh. But uh, I mean, they're not going to discuss it in the story, but we're going to discuss it here. And I think that uh, you, you would have to qualify as that kind of story because that's where all, all the, the, the images are. That's what, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fantasy eventually boils down to. Even if, you know, the frame is that there are these two people controlling these characters, which is a nice frame. It, it puts it in a very realistic, contemporary sense. I, I wouldn't sacrifice the frame, and I wouldn't uh, want to disqualify the story either. Mm-hmm. But they say in the story... Uh, what Foxy likes to do is be diplomatic, and I'm trying to be diplomatic from mm-hmm. the other end, from somebody who wouldn't necessarily uh, like a, a a bestiality story for you know the purposes somebody else might like it. But mm-hmm. as a text, and being able just to, to read it and understand it and just appreciate it in the same way that you might you might appreciate uh, Help I'm a Woman, even though you know big surprise I'm not actually a fundamentalist Baptist who wants to subjugate women to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Just to understand it as a text. I guess, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. I guess, you know, for me looking at it as a, I suppose I'm approaching it partially from a morality standpoint um, because well, of, well, you know, the, of the warning that he gave, you know, and why, and so people reading yeah. it, like if they're well, opposed to it. Nobody makes you read it. Nobody makes you right. read it. That's nobody exactly makes it. you read it. But, you know, why are people opposed to bestiality? And, and is it... You know, in my case, it's not the shape of the people involved. It's the only one of them's a people, you know, a person. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's if they're like both, if the they're both, the if they're both persons, yes. um, and I'm using persons plural there, if they're both persons, yes. uh, then I don't think, then I think it's okay. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that is, maybe that's okay bestiality then. I, I don't see it as well, bestiality I think it, I think personally. It's the, diff- <laughs> the essential difference between fantasy and reality, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, fantasy is specifically uh, constructed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what all these weird little uh, images we create, like all these furry characters we make. That's, it's, a, an abstract, it's an abstraction yeah. process to make it, you know, digestible, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. And that's what makes it fantasy and not reality. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I think part of it depends on how it's handled too, and this is something that I'm sure we'll touch on 
uh, in future stories. Uh, you know, when you get to some of these kind of hot button issues, um, and a good example is probably you know writing a story that involves you know a protagonist who's maybe you know fourteen years old. Um, and there are you know ways that you can write this porn story that is you know we've been fourteen years old and maybe we did sexual things and and you and know part on one level personal process though yeah yeah I mean I think but then, I don't think you can make I'm not sure especially when you are dealing with you know fictional stuff and and this is all you know maybe disagree with say policies on FA if you're dealing with drawings of animal people or stories about animal people. You know, nobody's being hurt, nobody's being exploited okay, let me, here. Let me talk about this from a reader's perspective, and why mm-hmm. oftentimes I buy these arguments of why these things are not essentially immoral, but the, argu- the, the position I always find myself defending that I mm-hmm. think is often misunderstood mm-hmm. is not wanting to sometimes read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I found oftentimes... Well, that's fine. That, and, I mean, I, I, I oftentimes like uh, venturing out, you go beyond mm-hmm. your boundaries... Yep. Uh, to just in in terms of understanding these texts, but it's I always use the standard of what if what if I were to come across this in an actual novel? Mm-hmm. I was reading this great uh, book by Haruki Murakami, I believe it was called mm-hmm. Kafka on the Shore. Mm-hmm. Wonderful book about this uh, kid that ran away from home. Uh, it was uh, had all these sci fi mystical themes to it, and then in the context of the story, there was this pornographic scene in which the the, the kid uh, actually sleeps with his mother. Oh, and early in the story, actually, uh, fools around with a girl he met at a bus stop. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is an actual novel. It was on the New York Times bestseller. Mm -hmm. What was I supposed to do? Like, skip it? And I I was like, so when there are these subjects that you're squeamish about, Mm -hmm. something like uh, bestiality, Mm -hmm. such as, you got to figure out, like, when are you going to test your boundaries? If you, if... Well, if that's can, why, and, and so I think we're in agreement, though. I'm saying, you know, there shouldn't be, what if, yeah. at least in this case, where you're not exploiting somebody. You know, these aren't pictures of real people, say. You know, where you're not exploiting somebody. Um, I don't think you should set these hard and fast rules, because I think, you know, they can get you to, right. Because you, know, you can't they, just reject a text. Right. You right. can't just say that I don't like this text on, on its grounds. I can't just mm-hmm. let it exist. It's, it was written, it exists. You can't, mm-hmm. And if you, if you can either ignore it, or you can try to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. The understanding process, I think, is one a lot of people misunderstand and undervalue. <laughs> yeah. And if you just think of these things just as purely in an in a information-gathering mm-hmm. perspective and purely in uh, the interest of wanting to comprehend the world around you, mm-hmm. it seems to me ignorant to want to suppress or avoid... Uh, certain material that you you don't want to deal with, but yeah. there's a fine line to be drawn between not wanting to have to address it because it's a particularly difficult subject for you because it's on a personal level, a subject right. that you just aren't comfortable with, or a subject that you think ought to be smite, uh, smitten particularly from mm-hmm. you know polite conversation. Right. I like, but it's I like this because this is when you get the the kind of political aspect within the public private mm-hmm. dichotomy that's you know preserved within the the, the pulp center of the story mm-hmm. itself when uh they're talking about the exhibitionist yeah. fantasies which are the ones that I, yes. I i kind of identified more myself uh-huh. because i'm a very private person mm-hmm. 
And so the concept of being in, I mean, absent from the fact that it's fake, if I were on a public beach where, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like a, more like a bathhouse atmosphere, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yep. I would be nervous. Yeah. I'd be incredibly nervous. Yeah. And so, personally, that's what I was drawing from this story uh-huh. was. One, and, it you know, it's kind of an insight in, uh, you know, right, this is, this is, I could do this. What would I, and you start thinking about what would I be doing in this yeah. situation or who would I be in this setting? And it's a conflict between here? what you keep private and what you make yeah. public. And in my moment like that in this story for me um, was, you know, in part thinking about, how foxy um, is handled because he is more or less fox size, at least, or that, yeah. that's the impression we get here. Um, that it playing on some of the, this kind of uh, domination submission thing is, you know, at there are a couple of points where he's basically picked up and mm-hmm. used as a sex toy. Yeah. Um, which kind of blew me away. I mean, it's the, the ultimate kind of, kind of form of objectification. Exactly, and and very um, and and you know, being a toppy guy, it was kind mm-hmm. of interesting to put myself in that space where being able to have this sentient put, thing that like you can just well, kind of use like a no, like but a to flashlight. Put, put myself in Foxy's space, I guess you know, and and to imagine you know myself being just you know picked up and. You know, used as a sex toy or whatever. So that was interesting to me to I kind see. of think about because it is so objectifying, and that everybody can just kind of literally manhandle him around. Um, and I think it's you know I see why he likes that. So I you, guess you, you know I see why he finds that it's liberating in a way. Um, it's a powerlessness for him. Thing. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's, you know, it's... Which isn't it's, it's, of itself it's what makes the subject so taboo. It's which, the powerlessness yeah. aspect. That's what but makes that's why people the fantasy like being, so playful That's as well. why a lot of powerful people are subs in the bedroom, because it, it's an escape from mm-hmm. having to be in power and having to make decisions and all that, and he can just go to and be foxy. So it's, it's kind of a fantasy that doesn't even, in and of itself, deny kind of, you know, the, the, the moral arguments against it. Mm-hmm. Maybe even uh, sort of takes its energy... From that that kind of outcast nature of it, mm-hmm. in some yeah. cases. Well, and it, it says I think you know because it is such a. Um, I think it you know his his behavior in this place, him being this shape, him you know being able to be handled like that and liking this, um, you know, does talk about how free he feels in this place and why he's so protective of it when Mafala shows up, because mm-hmm. this is obviously, it's risky for him as well, as free as he is, uh, to be here and doing this. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think we're all about done for the day. Is there anything that we've forgotten? No, I, I wanted to tell everybody about the Kyle Gold reading in New York. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Blue Stockings. Go ahead. Well, first I wanted to talk about the Diva Cups. Okay. Which these crazy things. Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell about them. Just Google them. Google Diva Cups, and then... How know. do you spell that? Diva D-I-V-A? cups, yeah. I mean, diva as in like you know, like a diva, or, like lady Aretha singer. Like, yes, Aretha Franklin, whatever her name is. Okay, and then like the cups as in like what you drink out of, but you don't want to drink out of these ones. Okay. Anyway, okay. So, but diva it was held at this cool little uh, independent bookstore on the Lower mm-hmm. East Side of New York, which I just happened to be visiting uh, New York to visit my boyfriend's family for some you know, vacation time, whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a, a friend, a furry friend I know up there, Jimmy Wolf, invited me out to this uh, book signing for Kyle Gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was reading 
I think it would have he read about fifteen minutes worth out of out of position uh, from early on in the novel, I believe. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And I drew a pretty impressive crowd too. If they filled out the bookstore, uh, I think we we're like 40, 50 people. It's a pretty oh, impressive nice. crowd. Nice. I know. The line for the, the the book signing line stretched out for a long time, and nice. I was really impressed because Kyle Gold stopped and chatted with everybody. He didn't rush good. anybody along. Yeah, he's a good guy. If they guy had a big that. bag yep. of books, he signed every book. It was a good time. Good. Yeah. And I uh, he he spent a long time answering questions as well from people. Like everybody was very curious about what is a. Uh, what his writing processes was, and I asked a question myself because I always like oh, yeah? to take this to a public platform because yes, I'd like course. to talk, whatever, hear myself. Speak. I'd be disappointed if you didn't. <laughs> but it was a, a, a great time. So I mean, I, I hope these there are just more events like this. If you hear about an event like this uh, around your town, like make it a point to go out, you know, mm-hmm. support for literature and we're happy, push your boundaries. You know, if there's experience something, things you might not have before, you know. Yeah. Well, and if there's something going on, we'd be happy to. I think in most cases to give you a little uh, bump on the air. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's I just fine. Know. Um, let's see, we've got, uh, let's see, we've got some good stories coming up in the next uh, few episodes. I think we'll have our first straight story. Um, maybe not next episode, but the one after that. For our next episode, we got this story by Alflor Mm -hmm. called, uh, Stasis. Mm Kind of another, uh, a sci-fi theme. Another otter, by the way. Another otter. Oh, Jesus. I told you, the the stocks are rising. We need a raccoonissance. I want to be reading stories about raccoons. How many raccoons have been in these stories so far? I don't think any. No, I don't know. Whose fault is that? I know there was a raccoon though? in the in the uh, in White Yote story. Oh yes. I believe wasn't there? Yes, a doorman. Yes. No, elevator operator. That's it. The elevator operator. We got one. One paltry. Damn. I can't. He's like not going anything. down. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. So next boy. week, but we'll have this uh, cool sci-fi kind of like thriller, but you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. story. Not quite thriller, but more muted than that. But yep. And, yeah, I think the one after that we have we'll have a straight story which we will uh, tunes. I will. I'll get through because you know I'm by. Uh, Tunes will manage. <laughs> he will. Well, like I said, you know, gotta suffer. push your boundaries sometimes. And but yeah, if you you know it's, and it's, and um, so if you have a story you would like read, even if it's something different from what we've read so far, especially perhaps if it's something different than what we've read so mm-hmm. far. Please drop us a line. Uh, let us know and, and submit your story. Like We'd I, love to hear from you. Like I said at the top of the show, we're not really looking like for published works. We're not looking for the most well-known authors. If you just have like a first draft out there that you think might be worth something that we might like, I mean, send it to us. Doesn't matter yeah. if you change it later. If we like Absolutely. it, we'll read it. Going to get you some some publicity or some Absolutely. Something. And uh, if you have, if it has been published before, usually, uh, well, so far we've been able to. Get the audio permissions for everything too. So, and we we know people at Sofa Wolf. We know people at Fur Planet. So, if you have something out there um, that you'd like out in audio, just let us know too. Uh, I think we that's get about away it. From the unpublished yeah. stuff. Drop no us. underground. Oh, yeah, no, I know things I know, that are published man. on like you know Xeroxes. All right. Well, that's that's extremely. That's like from before you were born. Well, those are the things that we're selling at Blue Stockings. You know, uh-huh. like these little like uh, just cut up folders of. Uh, what are they called? Zines. That's like what they back are. Back in oh. the day. Yeah, before they had the oh internet. Goodness. They were terrible, too. <laughs> it cost like $5 uh, so anyway, each. yes, uh, visit us at baddogbooks.com slash book club. I've been Skip Ruddertail. This is uh, Toonces, the driving cat. And the show is produced, as always, by Alex Vance, who is the president and dictator for life of Bad Dog Books. Enjoy. See us Thanks, next everybody. week. Ciao. Thank you.